0: Revelation chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men and that you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false and you have perseverance, and have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. But this I have against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds that you did at first, or else I am coming to you, and I will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God.
1: Good morning. Oh, you sound a little sleepy. Good morning. Oh, that's a little better. It's good to see each of you here this morning. Uh, before I dive in the sermon, I just want to say I want to thank you. I know several of you came up to me and I've been asking about uh, my parents and the process of moving, and let me just say the last few ve- weeks have, have, been, have been wearing this sun down, uh, trying to get documents signed and houses closed and now trying to get the house a little bit in shape before they move, and Tony and I will be flying out on Tuesday to California to go pack my parents in the truck and haul them out here to Arkansas into their new home. Uh, so pray for us this week, and uh, I'm tired, uh, and I just can't wait till this, I, I can't wait to get back to Arkansas, Amen. and uh, so, uh, but thank you for thanking of us and, and your prayers, and I know mom and dad are really starting, my dad told me the other day, he goes, I'm just itching to get there, so I'm really excited about them coming and being, you know, the one thing though, I've never been my parents' pastor, so pray for me. I could just see me making my mom mad. She'll be vacating the pulpit or something. That's it. No, I'm her favorite. Don't she'll, she'll, We'll be all right. Well, this morning, I know love is in the air. I even saw the cutest thing, as I walked out, Jane Heather strolling down the hallway, holding hands, making the rest of us couples look really bad. I told Basil that he had a good son-in-law. And uh, normally this time of year we talk about, you know, because Valentine's Day is on the horizon, you know, we talk about, you know, marriage or couples, but I am going to talk about love today as we kick off our series in the book of Revelation concerning the seven churches of Asia, which I've simply titled for our series Overcomers. I could have easily named this series uh, Conquerors. How many of you have watched the Rocky movies, all 20 of them? Uh, well, they, there might not be 20, but they keep making Rocky-style versions. Creed is out, Creed 1, 2, I think there's a third one, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, But, you know, if you watched all the Rocky movies, they all have a similar theme. You know, you get in the ring, he loses a fight, trains, has to overcome the fears, the doubts, the the, you know, the the self-worth battles that one has to get back in the ring to win the fight, right? So he had to overcome. He had to be victorious over maybe many challenges that he faced. But, you know, you notice Rocky always came out on top, and that's why we have all 20 of them. And uh, so the, the series, I want you to understand that we have a lot of challenges of life, not just individually, but as a church, and as the Lord churches, we, we encounter a variety of things. And let me just say, there's no perfect church. Uh, there's not. But, and so every church has room for improvement. There's things that we need to overcome. There's things that we need to become victorious over. And I hope that you'll understand how we can overcome as we go through each of the seven churches of Asia. Today, in particular, we're looking at the Church of Ephesus. Now, I have to admit, Tuesday at staff meetings, we usually have an idea of who's going to be reading the text, and at first was on there Lainey Watson. And all of a sudden, Basil spoke. I said, boy, Lainey has a cold. (laughs) Is she sick? I look over there, there's Basil. Thank you, Basil, for reading our text for us this morning. But the church at Ephesus, Ephesus was a beautiful city in its day. Paul wrote to this church. He spent the majority of what we we know of recorded uh, a lot of time at Ephesus over other churches. We see that Paul wrote to young Timothy in two letters, and it's, it's, it's well accepted that Timothy could have well been the pastor at Ephesus, at one time, and all of a sudden now we have the book of Revelation addressing again the church at Ephesus. It's interesting that the subject matter that, that Jesus talks about, at, about the church of Ephesus has to do with love. Eph, Ephesus was the, the center place of the worship of the goddess Diana, who is the what? Goddess of love. In the book of Ephesians itself, Paul wrote about that husbands love your wives. But he likens that to the love that Jesus has for his church that he gave his very life to redeem her, to wash her, and make her holy. And it's that subject of love that we find in the Book of Revelation, chapter 2, in the first seven verses that Jesus addresses towards this church. And they need to become overcomers. Let's look at it. First of all, I want you to think about the commencement, the beginning. There are five major, what I think, divisions of this, this short a uh, few verses, text to the church at Ephesus, and we're going to look at the commencements because the first one really begins to set the stage, the seriousness to what is about to be written. And first of all, we're going to consider the recipients of the letter. John recorded, to the angel of the church in Ephesus. So, when we first begin to look at this, we often, when we see the word angel, we think of those angelic beings, the cherubim, the seraphim. Maybe we think about Michael or Gabriel. But really, the word angel is just a transliteration of the Greek word that simply means messenger. Messenger. More than likely, what Jesus was addressing, telling John, I want you to write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus, or to the messenger of the church in Ephesus, more than likely is the pastor. It is the pastor that that will take this and he'll read this, this short letter from Jesus to the congregation. And then it's written to Ephesus. I think perhaps maybe ephesus has been written more if we consider 1st and 2nd timothy than any other church in the new testament but those are the recipients now the author is the one the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this the one is Jesus. He's identified in the first chapter. And we know this to be true because he's the one that holds the seven stars, and he walks among the sold- seven golden lampstands. I want you to notice in, that in this, is, is Jesus is the one that holds these seven stars, and there's a certain relationship that Jesus has with this seven stars. Well, who are the seven stars? Well, we notice in the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 20, as for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, the messengers. The idea of the, the seven stars that are in his hand and, and what the, the picture is, is that he has a grasp on them. And his right hand, that usually signifies power. And as I, as I sit there and I contemplate about this relationship between the stars or the angels and to Jesus, having them in their hand, first of all, pastors are God-called. They're God-called men, and they have been placed to lead the church of Jesus In the truth of his word, and to lead them and point them to Jesus himself that they can become like him. The pastor is accountable to the one who he has, who is being held by. I'm accountable first and foremost to my God, I am judged by him. That's why when Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, preach the Word. But he follows this up before Jesus, who judges the living and the dead. And so this is a position that is not to be taken lightly. This is a a position that is to be carried out with God in mind and and with God's purposes in mind and His Word being proclaimed with truth. And then He is the one who walks among the lampstands. And notice He says the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Do you believe that Jesus is among us right now? Are we not one of the Lord's churches? We read in the Scriptures, you know, where two or three are gathered in His name. There He will be in the midst of us. We've gathered here this morning to worship God, to proclaim His supreme worth and wonder, praise Him for His salvation that He offers to each of us. And He's among us, walking. That should... That should cause for some reflection you know when my my mother-in-law comes to visit our house always gets a little extra clean you know what I'm saying I mean she's not the type that puts on the white glove and inspects but I almost I almost well she's just very clean at her house and so I don't want her to come to you know our house and it you know it'd be less than her standards you know so there's this Maybe internal pressure. And I do that for my mother-in-law. Well, just think about here Jesus, the creator of the universe, is in our house. What is our life reflecting? Is Is he the person that we love supremely? Is that everything we do as a church, does that reflect that we love God with all our heart? mind and soul because he's walking and he's deserving and he is worthy of all our love and attention. So this is the commencement. This is about this is what starts it off. Now that's if if the pastor just stopped reading here, they probably, the church episode says, wow Something serious is about to unfold before our ears and our eyes. We better listen to what Jesus, our Savior, is going to say. And so he starts out with a compliment. Don't you like compliments? Compliments are, are wonderful. My wife likes to hear compliments. Honey, you look beautiful today. always... Uh, she's probably wearing boots. I haven't looked at her feet, but, but are you wearing boots, honey? She is. She is. She has the, 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 the classiest 1,000 pair of boot collection <laughs> I have ever seen. My closet's in the other room. But the compliment, because Jesus knows their work, he intimately is aware of what they are doing, what their activity is all about. He says, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance. Has anybody really did some very difficult work? I mean, probably some of the most difficult work is digging a ditch or a hole in the ground. Anybody ever dig a hole in the ground? I'm thankful for modern technology. Adam, the other day, sent a, well, a couple of months ago, sent a picture of him uh, on a little mini excavator digging a trench. And I, I said, you know, they didn't have those when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old working with Dad on the construction side. I had to do that by shovel and hand. You know, we didn't have that. Or, you know, it, that was a lot of hard work. Adam, Adam just cheats. I might be a little jealous and envious and bitter, but I'll get over it. But, you know, you work with a shovel, and no, you're working hard, you got a time frame, you got pressure, you got so much work to do, and you're digging, and you're getting that dirt out, and all of a sudden, you know, you're working, that's your deeds, and all of a sudden, you're toiled, man, you're breaking that sweat. Man, you think you can't do it anymore, but yet you keep going, that's the perseverance. And Jesus says, look, Ephesus, I, I've seen your work and what you're doing, man, you're breaking sweat, and there's times where you want to get, give up, but you keep going. In the words of Pastor Lynn, that's good on you. Well done. Good job. And he knows their work. He also commends them for their stand for righteousness. He says and that you cannot tolerate evil men. So here this church is. They, they, they see people come and go, there's people in society, and, and let's just face it, the world has people who are just evil, evil, and, and, and there's no toleration for evil. <laughs> I just finished watching uh, while Jenny was in California hugging on the grandbabies I kind of watched in the evenings, I binge-watched The Band of Brothers, World War II. I I don't know how to describe, especially when you get to that episode at the end of the concentration camps, where these Jewish people were being burned and malnourished and shot, and it's just, it's an ugly scene. And my conclusion is Hitler is simply evil. You can't call it any other way. There's just evil people in the world. And this church had no toleration for evil, but they wanted to stand for righteousness and justice. But they also commended, he commended them for their doctrinal soundness. soundness. And you put the test, to, to the, you put to the test, those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. Now this is a church that just didn't, you know, listen to a podcast and believed everything that was on the podcast. They weren't, you know, switching on TV, and just because they had a pastor or in front of their name or reverend that that they just took, you know, hook, line, sinker, everything that they said is true. Because trust me, There are people who are false. You understand that the devil has his guys too for the purpose to deceive. They might be cloaked and disguised as men of truth, but how do we test them? We take what they say to what God has said. And the church at Ephesus was good at that. They would hear the men speak. They would look to what the Word of God says. And if it doesn't according to what God says, then they were false. He commended them for their doctrinal soundness. That's good. The church of Jesus Christ should be doctrinally sound. I mean the very basic of doctrines the very is salvation by grace through faith but you know that even apostle paul to others had a fight that they wanted to add salvation by grace through faith plus something else Boy, he had to fight that there's nothing to add there's no work to be done than the work that jesus christ did on the cross for our salvation God is giving it to us, granting it to us, not based on our merit, but His, and we receive it simply by faith. Many people, though, they say, well, you know, I got I to do this first, and that first, and this first. Look, you can't clean yourself up without Jesus. Believe in Him, and He'll do the cleaning. He'll wash you up. He will help you out. There's other doctrines. Hey, I believe in a little heaven and a literal hell. I believe that Jesus is coming again. Don't you? That's what the Bible teaches. And so Jesus even commends them for their doctrinal soundness. That's wonderful. I hope we can be commended for such. He also commended them for their endurance. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Remember, the, the churches in that time period were being persecuted for their faith. You know, in, in some of the communities, the even thought of being baptized may have meant that they are ostracized from their family from their community, perhaps even put to death, but this church endured, and they were not growing weary. That's that's the amazing part, right? They kept going. There must have been a sense of, 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 of passion there to not be worn down, but they endured. And then in verse 6, we find this this little interesting thing. Is that Jesus commanded their stand against the deeds of the Nicolaitans. The who? You got me. I can tell you what a lot of scholars and thoughts are. Nicolaitans, if you took the original word and you just split it in half, Nico and Laetans, Nico is, is the same word that we get Nike from. Anybody buy any Nike shoes lately? I did. I went to go see Zedric at his uh, store. He helped me out and said, Man, that, that Nike's too small. You need a bigger one. So I got a bigger one. And uh, so I, I got Nike, but Nike means victory or conquering. And then laity, conquering over the laity, is, is kind of the, the terminology. But specifically, you notice, though, he says that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, not the Nicolaitans themselves. That's important to point out. Hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans may have been such that were trying to, you know, um, you know take over, if you will, to oppress or try to uh, manipulate maybe over the laity to do deeds such as Im- things of immorality, maybe some sense of false worship things of that nature. We're not, not exactly sure, but we know they come up a couple of times, even in our series that, that we're going through. So the deeds of Nicolaitans, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. They're commended. So you would think, man, this is a church that has it all together, right? Who wouldn't want to be a part of the church at Ephesus? I mean they are they are hardworking people, they stand for truth, they don't tolerate evil men. They they you know they 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 put to test those who proclaim to be, you know, uh uh you know pastors, apostles of Jesus, and said, eh, that's not what Jesus said. I mean, you'd think this is an amazing church, but then look at the criticism that Jesus had at the church. At Ephesus, they left their first love. Verse 4, but I have this against you. Ouch. Ouch. That you have left your first love. The word first here gives us the idea of, you know, like I had my first love right? You know, my first love, her name was Gabby. I was four years old, and Gabby lived across the street from me, and she was going to be my woman. She was going to be my wife at four years old. Gabby had my heart, but she broke it. She, I caught her kissing the neighbor kid, I, I, I ran around, I got behind my dad's work truck, and I cried. Of course, my dad came to me and says, what's wrong? And I told him, Dad, I was in love. And Gabby broke my heart. But I want to, if, I had, if I saw Gabby today, you know what I'd say? Uh, you know what? I got Jenny. <laughs> That's right. That's right. She, she won't break my heart. That's not the type of love we're talking about first. It has to do with supreme priority. Who do you love more? Who do you love more? Remember the greatest commandment? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. You know what? I can't love my wife in the way she needs to be loved if I don't love Jesus first supremely, I would fail. I, I could not love you if I didn't first make Jesus my love priority. I couldn't love you when you're unlovable if it wasn't that I loved Jesus first. Now, I I know none of you are unlovable, but we can be. I've been lately. Jenny had to remind me, you're kind of short, not short in stature, but short with people. I'm tired. I was so that little reminder reminded me, ah, oh, okay, I'm imperfect. But I can't, I can't love people like Jesus wants me to love them if I don't put Jesus first. Now I want you to think about this. This church had a lot right. So how in the world did they not love Jesus with all their heart, mind, and soul? H- how do you evaluate our love for God? I thought of a couple of things. You know, and, and think about this. Is our motivation because of our love for God or self? I want you to think about it. I, I could be a person that works hard is doctrinally sound and put people to the test and find them false not for the purpose that i want to glorify god but i want to look good in the eyes of the people what's my motivation what's your motivation and then who are we trying to please god or others Could we be a church that has everything, looks like we have everything together and everything right, but forget why we're motivated and who we're trying to please in all we do? Sometimes we need to sit back and evaluate our love for God. Well, where losing our first love may impact our church. Where may it be? Well, it impacts our relationship with fellow church members. You want to find a church that doesn't have Jesus first? You know what their business meetings are like? How about their Sunday morning worship? It's Rocky 21. Right? Should that be from God's people? It hinders our disciple-making endeavors. I mean, look, people are perceptive. You know, they're like a little child. You know, it's amazing what child, children can pick up from their parents. You know, they're quick at picking up the hypocrisy of their parents. So are guests. So are people we meet in the community. They, they, they see us, and, you know, we have the banner Christian you know, maybe we got the t-shirt, maybe we got the bumper sticker, maybe we're even carrying around the Bible, but our our actions somewhat may say something different. And so it hinders. And so church becomes more about self-preservation than outreach to others. So my question is. Where does Jesus in your priority of loving rank? Because if I put my children over Jesus, I'm hurting my children. If I say, man, I love Jesus, I mean, but yet I take my children to do everything outside of anything doing with Jesus, I'm hurting them. If I put their activities over God's activities, do I really, truly love Jesus? That's hard. But Jesus should take first place. Everything about our lives should be about to glorify and to honor Him. That's what our church should be about. And so Jesus gives this command. You ready? One word. Repent. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent. Hey, I just want you to to take a walk with me down memory lane. Remember when you you just accepted Jesus as your Savior? I don't know what that like what was like for you and that, you know, maybe you had some emotions, but I tell you what, it was the best moment of my life coming into relationship with Jesus. Acknowledging, confessing my sins. Walk, he, he saved me, and I remember that. I remember what he did, and I remember I was so gung-ho afterwards Weren't you? And you wanted to volunteer for everything. You wanted to be at everything. You wanted to do everything. And all of a sudden, life happened. Right? And, and life has a way of just wearing on you. And all of a sudden, kind of, you know, like, kind of, like you, you work with a shovel and you get calluses because you didn't wear gloves. You know, you had that like nice soft hands and all of a sudden you work a shovel. It gets a little harder and less feeling and harder and feeling. And, and sometimes as a Christian... Right? We're so excited for Jesus after salvation and 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 all of a sudden life happens. You know, maybe even another Christian, you know, kind of dappens your spirit. And I know that that, you know, that would never happen. But it does happen. Maybe some trials occur. Maybe some things that, you know, your prayers weren't answered like you thought they should be. And it just You've lost a little bit of that joy. So maybe we don't make Jesus the priority as He should. And so we need to go back. We need to go back to that time. And we need to turn things around, repent, Because it's not Jesus' fault that life didn't go like you thought. He still loves you nonetheless. And He wants your loyal love. Repent, put Him first, and do the first deeds. Go back. (laughs) You know, you wanted to go tell people about Jesus? Go do that. When you wanted to volunteer and everything, go do that. Hey, I can't find a better way to rejuvenate a heart, joy, and happiness than going back to what God has asked us to do. You guys remember the movie fireproof they wrote a big old book i guess so a book fireproof the principles in there are pretty good right so you know the idea is that you have a couple their marriage is in trouble and uh, they tell the spouse to go start doing what go back to what you were doing when you're dating right you know go buy some flowers have a date night whatever it is to win back your the heart of your spouse, right? I can't think of anything more Jesus can do for us to win us back than what he's already done. But I know this that when we, we start doing the things we did at first, it has a way of changing our heart, our emotions, our thinking. And if I could just use this expression, we deepen our love for him even further. So go back. But then there's this statement, or face the consequences. Don't you love this? Or else? That's something our mom and dad would say, right? Go clean your room. If you don't, or else. He says, or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lamps down out of his place unless you repent. Now there's been a lot of writing and there's been a lot of speculation exactly. What Jesus is referring to here. I don't have it all together, but I'll give you what I think. Remember, Jesus is walking around the lampstands, he's present. So if he removes the church from the lampstand, guess where he's not? Walking among you. Right? That can have great impact. Could you imagine? That, that, that it could be as a church that if we are not loving Jesus supremely that Jesus wouldn't show up? If it's about ourselves, if it's about entertainment, if it's about anything else but Him. Could you imagine? But it happens. Some have speculated that The church loses its authority. Well, this I know. This this is not a blessing. (laughs) This is discipline. (laughs) And this is not where we want to be. We want Jesus sitting in the front row with the light shining because it is about him. So then Jesus closes with a commitment, the commitment, the commitment to hear and obey. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If we hear, if he's speaking to us in our heart, we're to follow that in obedience. We're not to be like, you know, some of our kids are when we ask them, did you hear me? Yeah, well, why didn't you do it? Because I had something of more of a priority than you. Is't that what they're saying? Do we ever say that to Jesus? Do we hear him? Do we hear the spirit move? But yet, nah... I'll put that off till later that I would question. Whether he's the supreme love of your life. Because if we hear, we will respond in obedience. And then here's the promise to him who overcomes, to him who conquers, to him who has victory, and him who repents and puts Jesus first in his life in this context. I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Later in the book of Revelation, we're described in chapters uh, 21 and 22, the New Jerusalem. What do we find amidst that is the, the, the tree of life? I don't understand it all. I don't know anybody who does, but I know this. He who overcomes will be in the presence of God, in close proximity. That's where I want to be. The question is, will I overcome? Will I make Jesus first and love Him the most and love Him with my best? Or will I let people, places, or things take his place? Do you know what that is? Idolatry. Idolatry. Money's not greater than God. My house isn't greater than God. My family's not greater than God. Is Jesus first in your life if not you need to overcome you need to repent you need to go to that first place where god saved you and remember what he's done for you give your heart your life to him and in every decision that you make has to be kept with Jesus' mind. You know, like sometimes we make decisions about jobs and places to move to. And I can tell you this, if, if a job or a place to move to takes you away from Jesus, it's probably the not, the not best decision. But if it takes you closer to Jesus, I man, I can get behind that. Because who we are and what we do individually and as a church is all about him all about Jesus will you overcome will you stand with me this morning as we close I want a time for reflection a time of invitation i don't know where your heart is at the moment but maybe there's something, maybe you've, you've questioned, maybe you've allowed so many things to take the place of Jesus as a priority. I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to put him in the proper place first. First. Could you imagine if two people in marriage, a husband and wife, put Jesus first in their marriage, just think how special that marriage will be. Think about when a family puts Jesus first, the impact it'll make on the children and their children's children, leaving a legacy of loving Jesus could you imagine when a church who loves Jesus the impact it can make in its community because when you love Jesus you kind of want to tell people about him you want to share it in fact he even invite people to church. And they see that hey, these people are different. They love Jesus. Maybe you come this morning not knowing really what to expect. God has been speaking to your heart and you realize that he loves you unconditionally and he wants to save you and you've yet to humble yourself and say Lord here I am I have nothing to offer but I know you love me a sinner Save me will you cry out to him this morning? If you're here this morning, well you are here this morning. I keep saying that. I've got to work on it. But perhaps God wants to deepen your walk with him. Maybe you need baptism. Maybe you'd like to come and unite with our church. Like I said, we're not a perfect church. But I know this. In working with you all just these little over two years, not only do we love our church, we love Jesus. And I want all of us to love Jesus with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. And if that's what you want to be a part of, we invite you to be a part of our church family here at Faith. I'm going to lead us in prayer after... I'm done with prayer. If you have some things you'd like to talk to me about, I'll be in the lobby. Pastor Lynn will be in the lobby. We'd love to meet you. Guests, we're glad that you're here today. Then after I'm done with prayer, we'll have announcements and then you'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and grace and mercy. Father, we thank you for the love wherewith you've loved us. Father, it's hard to wrap our minds around the deep, Love that you do have for us. People who fail in so many ways, people who find themselves in trouble and make wrong decisions and, Father, have, have, have you know, just did things that are just sometimes struggling to overcome. Father, you loved us. You desired to save us. And Father, I pray that we will not take your love for granted and with the same love that you've loved us that we will love you in return Father I pray for every individual here I pray for our church that we'll be a people who do love you with the entirety of our life and being that you might receive all the honor and glory